Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for every American family. They're a membership-based online shopping club offering thousands of the best-selling organic foods and natural products in everyday sizes, and they sell for up to 50% off retail prices with free and fast nationwide home delivery. This is really cool. For every paid membership, Thrive Market donates a free membership to a low-income family, teacher, or military. For a limited time, Paleo Hacks is doing an exclusive offer with Thrive Market. So you can go over to thrivemarket.com slash paleohacks and register to win a $1,000 shopping spree. That's $1,000 of free stuff you can win. That's a grand prize. We're also giving away 10 second prize winners that get one year free membership. And because we love all of you equally, as a bonus, every new member who registers through thrivemarket.com slash paleohacks is going to receive 25% off their first purchase. All right, time for today's show. Paleo Hackers, welcome back to another edition of the Paleox Podcast. I'm your host, Clark. Of course, this is brought to you by paleohacks.com. Head on over there, check out the form, community, the mouth-watering recipes we got. If you haven't cooked or don't like to cook, that's okay. We do it for you. We give you the whole layout on what you need to do over there. Got hundreds of them. But that's not what today's show is about. With me on the other end is Chris Kelly. He is a pro mountain biker, functional diagnostics practitioner, uh, graduated the Kish Institute, and currently runs Nourish Balance Thrive. Chris, my man, welcome to the show. It's a privilege. Thank you very much for having me on, Clark. So uh, we started this because you reached out to me and uh, about Nourish, Nourish Balance Thrive, correct? That's correct. And um, in that, you... you this is a special call for me because you said that you actually listened to uh, the Paleox podcast and that kind of started some some change. Yeah, exactly. It, it was quite some quite big change. It was two life changing experiences, I would say. Wow. Um, and so you're listening to our Kalish podcast episode, right? And is, is that kind of how you got into it? Or how did you get into what you're currently doing right now? Well, yeah, that was it. You know, I mean, it didn't quite start with the uh, with the Kalish uh, podcast. So you, you've got a link to that in the show notes. People have to go back and listen to that that podcast. It's a uh, Dan Kalish is a fantastic speaker, and he does an amazing job yeah. of describing some really technical things without using any technical words. And uh, it's it's a real gift that he has. And uh, yeah, so I heard that podcast, and I was always I was already you know some way. Um, along the path of feeling better. So, you know, I've never spent much time in my life feeling very good. I've always felt kind of awful and I didn't really realize it until more recently. You know, I had a lot of um, a lot of bloating, a lot of GI issues, uh, brain fog, um, a lot of fatigue. You know, I'm a pro mountain biker and I could win bike races, but I was always just so, so tired outside of training and I couldn't sleep either. It was horrendous. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I listened to the Paleo Hacks podcast, discovered the Paleo diet, um, had some really great results, saw an improvement in a lot of my symptoms by changing my food, stopped eating, you know, pasta and, oh my God, so many things I stopped eating. Bread, I used to make my own bread. I can't believe I used to do that now. Um, but yeah, so that sort of saw me feeling maybe 50, 75% better. But it was clear that I still wasn't feeling as good as I could. 
And, um, you know, I heard Dan talk on your podcast and I thought, well, he's in Oakland. Maybe I should work with this guy. And, and that was the worst reason to, to think that you should work with someone. Like, right. you know, just because he's local doesn't mean anything at all. And of course, he knows his stuff. Saw, fellow he knows his stuff, a fellow Oakland. Yeah. <laughs> but I never saw him in person. You know, I just, I talked to Dan on Skype and he ordered some tests for me and uh, the results came back and I had, uh, you know, multiple GI infections and very low cortisol or adrenal fatigue, as some people call it. And then a whole bunch of nutritional problems that we found on the urine testing. And, and it was only once I corrected those that I started to feel really, really good. And, um, you know, I was so inspired by the whole experience. I decided that I wanted to do his training course, right? So I'm an engineer, I'm a computer scientist, hmm. and uh, I want to know how things work. And I thought, I've got to figure this out. Like, who is this guy? He's a chiropractor. How can he do this? Is it like a magic trick? And so um, I did his training course, and I ended up getting together with a, a, a buddy that I ride bikes with who happens to be a medical doctor. And uh, we ended up launching uh, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, and uh, Dan's protocols form the core of what we do you know it's not quite the same as what dan does now but um yeah that's the core man that's the that's that's the ticket that gets people feeling better every time yeah that's awesome man so you, you felt better and then you wanted to share it that seems to be a common thread we see with people who are really passionate behind what they do and so nourish balance thrive what's kind of the mission of what you two are doing over there yeah so it's not just me now like it kind of we, we, I've been growing, you know, people are passionate about this stuff and they're willing to help me for not very much money. So um, my wife that's is a food good. scientist. Yeah, that's always a good sign, isn't it? When someone wants to help you without being paid. Um, my wife's a food scientist and, uh, you know, obviously she's heavily into the paleo diet. So she coaches people on paleo and then with the autoimmune protocol, which I'm sure some people have heard of and and sometimes ketogenic diets. And, um, and then so Jamie, she's a medical doctor. She's also another pro mountain biker. And then I work with a registered nurse who has also done the Kalish practitioner training course and um, more recently I've added a medical director in uh, Tommy Wood. Tommy Wood is another uh, medical doctor from the UK. He's also a PhD fellow su currently studying neonatal brain metabolism and he has been extraordinarily generous with his time to me and he's been teaching me over the last year or so and um, you know, we've been looking at test results together and he does one-on-one -on -one consults through my practice too. So it's a, a quite a cool team that I've kind of assembled now. It's very exciting. It's like the Ninja Turtles getting together. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. And so where did the pro mountain biking tie in? I'm curious behind the, the backstory of, uh, of the training of kind of what it looks like to be a pro mountain biker. How did exercise tie into all that? Um, it's kind of a loaded question. Tell me your pro mountain bike story, but set, set it up. What did, how'd you get into that? Well, yeah, that was, it was kind of strange and stupid, but that was my originally, that was one of my main motivations. The first book on the paleo diet I read was called the paleo diet for athletes by Joe Friel and Lauren Cordain. And I don't think I was that cognizant of how bad I was feeding at that time, you know, or how hmm. bad some of my symptoms were. And really all I wanted to do was improve my sports performance, you know, and, uh, you know, I didn't start, I haven't always been a pro, right? I started off as, uh, you know, riding sport or cat two as it's called in mountain biking. And then I managed to upgrade to cat one. And really I was just looking for a way in which I could improve my performance so I could upgrade and get my pro license. And it became clear that I just wasn't going to achieve that through any more training, right? So I'm, you know, riding my bike 25, 30 hours a week. 
and just not getting faster anymore, right? You just get, you know, you just max something out. That's all you can, you can get from that. And, yeah. uh, you know, nowadays I do far, far less training than that um, and still get great results. And I'm sure it's just because, you know, I concentrate on staying healthy. Like I keep running the tests. I keep fixing the problems that I find. I stay really, you know, tight with the paleo diet. I look after my sleep. I manage my stress. And uh, those are the things which I think get great results, you know, and there's only kind of a limit to what you can get with just training alone. Absolutely. So you look at the other components behind what you do and kind of boost it from that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And uh, before the call, we were talking about training because people hear pro mountain bike or they hear pro athlete and they think train, train, train. Uh, they might also hear endurance testing for endurance athletes and they, they keep thinking training, 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 extend mm -hmm. the amounts, go harder, uh, work longer. But you said that's not what you do. Uh, and you were just touching on how there's only so much training you can do. Can you expand on that a little more? Sure. So, um, you know, I used to do long, slow distance. Like I used to spend hours and hours kind of noodling around with my heart rate, you know, pretty low. And um, I think that approach can work. But, um, you know, now I have a two-year-old daughter and I'm running my own business and I, I really don't have time. I can't allow that much time, uh, 25, 30 hours a week to, um, to get results in that way. And, and, and I found that, you know, so recently, I'm, I'm, at the moment, I'm racing a sport called cycle cross, which is a bit like mountain biking, only the bikes are a little bit different and the, the course is a little bit shorter. And that's here in Northern California where I live. And, uh, you know, the races are pretty short. They're only 60 minutes. And so, you know, during the week, I've done some weeks here, you know, where I've only done five or six hours of training and been getting exactly the same results, you know, but those five or six hours, rather than, you know, just noodling around with my heart rate at 130, I'll go out and I'll do, you know, sets of 90 seconds at VO2 max. So mm. it's almost like I've taken that big volume of training and I've compacted it down to its essence and I'm still getting the same results. Yeah. So you're working hate to say the cliche, but smarter, not harder. <laughs> I Work guess it smarter. is. I mean, it depends on your goal, right? So, you know, with the mountain biking, I do it because I love it, right? I absolutely love it. And, uh, you know, I live in the Redwood Trues here in near Santa Cruz and, and the trails are unbelievable. And, um, you know, I could easily go out and do that all day long, right? Just ride my bike for four hours every day because it's so much fun. But obviously life gets in the way and you, you just can't do that every day. It's not possible for most people. We uh, have quite a few endurance athletes who listen to the show, and uh, they listen to Ben Greenfield, who's been on the show. They listen to shows like this. I forget what other endurance athletes we had on here. But, um, you know, the common cookie-cutter endurance athlete, I'm not one, but I'm assuming from what I see online, is like a vegan, and they run super long marathons, um, you seem to do the exact opposite and get similar results. You eat ketogenic and you train very high intensity interval training, mm -hmm. VO2 max testing. Is that kind of the two the two sides right there? There's there's kind of like the two trains of thoughts. Uh, yeah. So you know you touched on the ketogenic diet there, and I should probably say a little bit about that because that's been so so helpful to me. Um, you know, back when I wasn't feeling very good and had a lot of fatigue symptoms, um, I was eating a very high carbohydrate diet and consuming a, a great deal of what I know now is just really sugar. You know, those maltodextrin gels that come in the little packets yeah. that, um, you know, so many people, I still see it out on the trails today, you know, people choking those things down and, and bars and whatever else, all this kind of junk food. 
And um, that got me into a world of pain, you know, with what looked like prediabetes, fasting blood glucose at 120 milligrams per deciliter and, uh, you know, severe hypoglycemic episodes during exercise, just really not a fun place to be. And mm. It's taken me a long time, like it took sort of over two years to make the transition, but I now eat a very high fat uh, ketogenic diet and I'm able to ride my bike basically indefinitely, you know, three, four, five, six hours, no problem without eating anything at all, just drinking plain water. And then I find that the recovery is just so, so much quicker. You know, you just wow. don't seem to get so much inflammation and, and kind of, I don't know, just the horrible uh, feeling that you know, just want to spend the rest of the day on the couch after you're training. And, and, and that's, again, it's like so important to me. It's, you know, I want to spend some time with my daughter after I ride my bike or maybe I want to do some work or something. And I just never could do that before, you know, like I would just feel so tired. I just would want to sit on the couch. So, yeah, definitely look into that. You know, um, Dominic D'Agostino uh, was interviewed by Tim Ferriss recently on his podcast as a, a three hour epic. And uh, so if you're interested in that, that's that's kind of a good place to start. Okay. And can you describe a little more of the ketogenic diet? This is someone's first time hearing about it and they, they want to get up off the couch without that oof, or they, they want to cut down their training time or experiment with ketosis. What's the, what's the basics of it? Um, well, the basic is, is really just carbohydrate restriction. It's like the kind of the, the first thing I think of when I think about the ketogenic diet. So, um, you know, you just decrease your carbs probably to less than 50 grams a day. And I'm talking about net carbs, so you don't count vegetables. This, this is not a, a meat-only diet. When I look at my plate, it still consists mostly of plants, right? It's many different pl types of plant I can get my hand on, hands on. And then um, the bulk of my energy is coming from um, the fat that's in that meal, right? So either the fat that's on the meat that I'm eating, or maybe we add some um, fat in the form of maybe olive oil or, or coconut oil or ghee or tallow or something like that. So um, the bulk of my energy is coming from uh, the fat. So that'd be about 70%-ish of my calories come from fat. And then so moderate protein, probably the protein is probably not going to change from whatever you're eating right now. And then you just severely restrict the carbohydrates. Um, and then you get into this magical place called ketosis where you're primarily burning fat and these other little carbon-based molecules called ketones. Yeah. And um, that's your energy. You don't need the carbohydrate anymore. And so when I'm, even when I'm doing um, these high intensity intervals, and especially when I'm doing the longer rides, I'm just not using carbohydrate. I'm using fat and ketones. And so I don't have this absolute requirement to go home and, and eat a bunch of carbs to replace that glycogen that I might have used during my ride. Yeah. So are you still using? You're obviously still using glycogen then, but your stores just don't get depleted. They're they're spared and you go directly for the ketones for energy or what's the theory behind that and how your muscles are working? I think we're still trying to figure that out, actually. I think we're still trying to figure that out. So um, we know that once um, the exercise intensity goes above a certain level, it becomes impossible to burn fat anymore just because there's right. uh, there's so much oxygen is required and, and you just can't bring the oxygen in quickly enough and and so you will use some carbohydrate but you have to remember that you know you still have even when you go on a high fat ketogenic diet you still have um, a lot of glycogen stored and uh, especially in the liver and so you can like use that glycogen to like kind of tide over those periods of high intensity. So say for me on a mountain bike, I get into like a rock garden or something and I want to power up to 500 watts and get over this, this big obstacle, then I'm, I'm current, probably going to be using sugar at that point, right? We call that glycolytic. Okay. But I have some glycogen still. And in fact, 
um, you might want to link to this. Uh, Jeff Volek has just published his faster study of uh, elite ultra runners who are keto adapted. And, and in that study, they, they really didn't see much difference mm. in the levels of uh, stored glycogen in between the two groups. So there was two groups of runners. One were eating a very high fat ketogenic diet. The other were eating an, a normal or a more normal high carbohydrate diet. And when they looked at the glycogen levels with muscle biopsy, they, they didn't really see much difference between the two groups. So um, like I say, this is kind of cutting edge stuff and, and people are still trying to figure out the details. Yeah. I mean, again, that raw vegan ultra endurance runner um, archetype is still very prevalent. And that's just what I've, I've linked up through common thread until, I don't know, the past year or so was that endurance runners are all eating massive amounts of carbohydrates because that's how that's the fuel they're tapping into but then there's the research coming out recently that seems cutting edge saying almost the exact opposite yeah it's amazing i don't know have you ever talked to i'd love to get i have my own podcast and i'd love to interview rich roll and like find out exactly how he's doing it you know because i've worked with a number of athletes that were previously eating a vegetarian or vegan diet and i was actually one of them too as well you know when i wasn't feeling good vegetarianism was one of the things that i tried it just made me worse it was a horrible horrible idea and he's the the ultra endurance runner who eats uh primarily vegan right i I think he is vegan yeah 100 yeah but he still looks fantastic and he's still you know he's getting great results and, um, you know, obviously he's doing something special yeah. and, uh, you know, I'd love to know what that special thing is. Yeah. I want to, that, that's a good guest. I have him on the guest list, but we probably haven't reached out. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on with you, Chris is, uh, horm- or not hormones rather, but testing. I know mm-hmm. you're really big at nourish balance thrive on testing. Can you kind of walk us through the very basics of what testing is, why someone should do it and more specifics on what you do? Sure. Sure. So I am a huge fan of the testing. You know, I'm a, a, t- a technical guy. I like to try and figure out how things work. And um, you can do that now. And you don't need the permission of a doctor to do it. Um, you know, if you go and see your primary care physician, for example, and say, um, you know, I want to qualify for the Boston Marathon. Will you run a comprehensive blood chemistry on me so I can see if I've got any problems that, that maybe could help me be a better runner? He's just going to look at you like you've just landed on, you know, from Mars and say no. And, you know, that's not the way that our healthcare systems are set up at the moment. Like you do, everything needs a disease code and there needs to be an abnormal finding, right? So if you walk into your doctor's office and say, and present with symptoms, then maybe he'll run some or she will run some blood chemistry. But if your goal is purely athletic performance, then, you know, that's different. And and you're probably going to have to pay for that yourself. Um, but it's not expensive. Like if you look around uh, on websites like Life Extension, for example, you can see that the blood chemistries are really inexpensive now. Like what, are, what are we talking? Um, I mean, so there's a there's a you can get a what they call a, a CBC or a, a complete blood cell count mm-hmm. and a comprehensive wellness profile for I believe thirty five dollars on Life Extension. Whoa! And yeah, yeah. And so the way it works is you place an order. And then they send you a PDF requisition form Uh and uh, you take that directly to the lab. So you don't go and see your doctor, you just go straight to the lab and then they draw the blood and then the results come back to you electronically. Now, Mm -hmm. that's the easy part. The difficult thing is trying to figure out what the results mean. And so that's where someone like me or Tommy, who is the medical doctor I work with, can help you. Like, So we look at test results and we're thinking, you know, how can we help this guy run faster? 
how can we help this lady bike faster? How can we help this guy swim faster, right? So we're looking at the same set of test results, but with a totally different objective. Wow, that's fascinating. So the $35 test, um, you have kind of a complete comprehensive blood panel? Or yeah, what, so what does it's the not, test cover? you know, it's not the world's best blood chemistry for $35. You know, they're, yeah. they're kind of funny, I guess because they run so many of those $35 panels, they can afford to offer them very cheaply. And then as soon as you start adding extra markers on, like say, fasting insulin and vitamin D and homocysteine and hemoglobin A1C, some of these other markers which are quite interesting to look at, the panel becomes uh, very much more expensive. Yeah. Um, so you kind of, that's the, that's the best bang for your buck is, is, the, is the $35 chemistry. And, you know, we frequently see, and I've seen this in myself too, so nutritional deficiencies, which mean you can't make red blood cells as well as you possibly could. And this leads to decreased oxygen deliverability, or as a doctor would call it, like a mild anemia. They would call it a subclinical anemia. And it's super common in endurance athletes. And if you can fix those nutritional deficiencies, either with your diet or with some supplements, that's going to make a huge difference to your athletic performance, probably more than any amount of training would do. Okay. And so you can tell... Um, how to, how to do that or what they need based on the test results? Yeah, exactly. So there's some, it's difficult. I can't just name one marker on the blood chemistry and say, oh, well, if this marker is greater than, than this value, then, um, then you need this particular supplement. It's a bit, it's a bit more complicated than that. And you, you have to look at the test result in its totality to really see the picture that's emerging. And then of course you have to consider your own symptoms and your position and your diet and, and other things as well. So it's a somewhat complicated process to do the interpretation and decide what to do next, but it, it's not that hard, you know, we, and, and we always get great results in this way. What are you seeing on every test that's coming back to you? Are there any trends with uh, either the endurance athletes you're working with or the things you're seeing a lot of? Yeah, for sure. So the two things that spring to mind immediately, one I already mentioned, the subclinical anemia. So people who's, you know, you can look at, go look at your, your last blood chemistry and look and see what the, the hemoglobin was in, in um, milligrams per deciliter. And if it's less than 14, then um, if you're a guy, then I, I, I think that, you know, something to think about, right? There might be some room for improvement there. And then you would look at the other markers. Um, so that's super common. The, and, then, and quite often the cause is, um, like I say, a uh, um, a deficiency of either B12 or, or folate or maybe zinc or copper. And um, the other thing that we just seem to be seeing all the time at the moment is iron overload. So hmm. this gets super confusing. You know, when I say anemia, uh, people start thinking about iron deficiency and iron deficiency can cause anemia, but there's also um, iron overload. So this is where probably through a genetic mutation. So there's something special about your genetics that you're better at absorbing iron than other people. And so you end up with too much of this nutrient. And when you have too much of it, it causes a lot of problems. The iron, it gets deposited in your vital organs and into your joints, and it can end up in all of the tissues. Hmm. And um, it's, it literally makes you rust. So it causes a lot of inflammation and oxidative stress and um, all kinds of problems that will show up all over the blood chemistry. And the solution is actually pretty simple. It, it's just to go give blood. It's like, that's how you fix it. And, and, yeah, and that could that. be a, a, you know, a life-changing experience. So that's kind of two things that we see all the time. Wow. 
Okay. And and so how do you know with the first one if it's a B12 copper zinc deficiency based on the test? Can you isolate it to one of those or do you have to take a kind of comprehensive supplement that has those together? Yeah. So um, the way to pin it down is to use the urine test that that Dan talked about in that first interview. And he didn't, that, so that's the genius of, of Dan. It's like, like I say, he talks about technical things without ever really going into details that anybody would not care about. And I do not have that skill. So the test- We have a smart talking, audience, so you can, you can dive into it. <laughs> that's good, that's good. Yeah, I, I think there's some of that too, you know, like um, some people do appreciate the technical details and they like the names of things. But yeah, on the urinary organic acids test, so that's the test that Dan was talking about, is the one I use is made by Genova Diagnostics and it's called the Organics Comprehensive Profile. Mm-hmm. There are two organic acids on that test. They're called methylmalonic acids and formanoglutamate. And those two organic acids, they start to build up in the urine sample when there's insufficient B12 or folate. So you can do that test and know whether you need more of these nutrients. So what I'm doing here is I'm taking the blood chemistry and I'm taking the urinary organic acids and I'm comparing them to form a complete picture that will help me decide which nutrients or which supplements are likely to be most helpful for the athlete. Okay. And is there any supplements that are you just generally recommend um kind of everyone should be taking or certain people might consider taking supplement x based on endurance training is there any kind of must-haves yeah i think so so i've, I've looked at this in detail so the, tommy is amazing he's so, he's so great he's um a research scientist and, and so research and, and, and searching PubMed is what he does for a living all day long. And so I can, you know, ask him a question and he'll send me seven papers within two minutes. Hmm. And I, I probably spend, oh my God, I don't know, but between 40 and 60 hours a week just reading all these papers. And uh, nutritional deficiencies amongst athletes are just incredibly common. So zinc, magnesium, you know, a lot of the things that um, even iron actually is, is extremely common as well. But you really can't, you can't guess it, you know, you got to do the test. And, um, you know, I think everybody should take uh, a multivitamin. I kind of fall into that camp. But you've got to be careful about which one you take. Like, if you can't afford it, like, you should probably just skip it. Like, don't take mm. one of the cheap ones from Costco. Costco, yeah. Right, yeah. Kirkwood. So the way you know it's a good one is if it comes in um, multiple capsules, right, it's probably not possible to fit everything you need in one day, especially if it's got a decent amount of magnesium in it, into a single capsule. So... I like the Thorn Research, the EXOS multivitamin, and that comes in six capsules a day. And I believe Designs for Health has a similar product. And, you know, there's a bunch of them out there that, that are pretty good. And you, you can look and you'll see that they don't, they have things like 5-methyl um, tetrahydrofolate rather than uh, folic acid. And I know that quite often the price is, uh, is, uh, tells you something about the quality of it as well. Like if it only costs 10 bucks, it's probably not a good one. Yeah. Uh, so with the supplements, then it, it can be kind of a charged topic for some people because they either fall into one of two extremes. They think that everybody needs to take supplements. That's it. End of discussion. You can't get any. You can't get all your nutrients from food alone. They've done X, Y, and Z studies on it. And then there's the other extreme of no one should take supplements. You know, we can get everything you need from your diet, and if you're not, that just means you're not eating correctly. What's, what's kind of that middle path of like smart supplementation? I'm sure it exists. What does it look like? Yeah, well, I think it's highly individual, right? So you do the test and you look at what's going to work best for you. And, and, and it's not just your environment. It's also your genetics, right? So, for example, I have some genetic mutations 
uh, with the MTHFR uh, gene. And, and that means I don't process uh, nutrients like folate from my diet very well. And yeah. I, I do very well on taking those things as a supplement. Um, so it's, it's you as an individual. And then there's some things which you just can't get in the amount that you as an athlete would need to improve your sports performance. So a really good example is creatine. And, um, you know, I sell creatine. So um, maybe you should, should take this information with a pinch of salt. But, uh, you know, go do your homework. Go and have a look and see what research you can find on creatine and, and see what results that research showed. And, um, you know, then look to see whether it's possible to get that much creatine from your diet alone. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to find. And, um, you know, I know you're going to get great results. And I've seen that. I've measured it in myself that my sprint power has improved dramatically since I started taking creatine. And interestingly, this ties back into the whole methylation thing. So making creatine, so your body has the ability to make creatine inside. Mm -hmm. And um, it's a very methyl donor expensive process. So that means um, you need more of the folate, more of the methyl donors. And so if you're not very good at processing those in, from your diet in the first place, you might be kind of crappy at making creatine too. So that's another kind of reason why you'd want to take it as a supplement. It's because one of your energy systems use, utilizes creatine for it, correct? So the phosphate yeah, that's creatine, right. the phosphate creatine power system. Yeah. So that first 20 seconds when you're... It's the fast you know, so twitch. It's exactly, which I have very little of. But yeah, for me, it's the start of a cycle cross race, right? The gun goes off. Yeah. I've got 20 seconds to get to that whole shot, else I'm going to be at the very back of the field, never to be seen again. And so the, that phosphocreatine system becomes really important. And, and, and taking the supplement has been tremendously helpful to me. And so the theory goes, if you have more creatine intake, it'll circulate better. And you can tap into that for that explosive power on your fast twitch is better? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And how, have you seen any sort of like dosing or uh, grams per day that's the most effective or kind of what's the what's the minimum minimal effective dose, if you know that term, like like beyond X amount, you won't get any, uh, you know, water boils at 100 degrees Celsius beyond yeah. it, it's just wasteful. Like what's what's that 100 degree point for creatine? Yeah, well, it seems like most of the studies show benefit with about five grams per day. That's pretty low. So it's pretty low, but it's, um, it's, I mean, I know some people go higher. That's about what I take. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, I think, yeah, that's what, that's what I go with just because I've seen, that's what I've seen in, in, in most of the studies. Okay. And then morning, afternoon, post-training, pre-training, nighttime. The only, I'm not sure it matters that much, but Tommy has noticed and the details are so technical. I can't even remember them that, um, it's a stimulant in some people. So he gets kind of, you know, you know, that experience like we have too much caffeine, you kind yeah. of get a bit kind of overstimulated, a bit jittery, maybe some heart palpitations. And uh, I haven't noticed that at all. Nothing of the sort. Um, but he does. And apparently it's not uncommon. Hmm. And like I say, he did find a big technical mechanism, but I can't remember any of it right now. So it might be an idea, you know, just it's just something to be aware of. And then, you know, maybe not take it last thing before you go to bed. OK. Is there any other supplements that people should not take, like avoid these like the plague, no matter what people say, based on the research you and Tommy have looked at? Well, it seems like folic acid is a bit of a villain right now. I wouldn't, you know, like I said, I wouldn't take a supplement. If it says folic acid on the bottle, I wouldn't take that. Okay. And to a lot of people listening, that'd be like old news. And they're like, yeah, yeah, heard it a million times before. And it's true, but you'd be amazed how many people out there don't know that that folic acid can be trouble. So it can block the absorption of, of real folate whilst not really doing what folate is supposed to do. So it can cause 
a big problem. Is that um, the, the MTHFR uh, pathway as well? Because Ben Lynch was talking about that. Right. Okay. Yeah. So I should definitely defer to Ben Lynch. Right. He's the he's the he's an incredible expert. So yeah, maybe link to that episode in the podcast. And, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. was it was confusing, but awesome stuff. I mean, that <laughs> stuff. A lot of that stuff really goes over uh, my head. I, I tend to be more of a generalist when it comes to a lot of things, but it's it's fascinating and important um, for sure. But I'm really interested in the testing and yeah. getting getting quantification because a little story like. For me, over the years, I've I've never really tracked anything. And my friend Josh Trent, who came on the show, tried to get me on this uh, this like Fitbit or some sort of uh, tracker to get your steps and your sleep and your lifestyle and all that stuff. So I just was messing around a little bit on the iPhone and on their Apple Health app. Um, they have that tracker. I, I downloaded a tracker app and started looking at my steps and really holding myself accountable. It is amazing when you start getting the data back, the numbers that give you that objective viewpoint on what you're actually doing. I was, I thought I was, you know, active ten thousand steps a day. I was more like four, five thousand, right. maybe five thousand. Um, and then when you start holding yourself to that, okay, I'm gonna get my weekly average to ten thousand steps. I mean, that's that's changing. I'm walking everywhere now. I'm walking three, four miles a day. I've just noticed. No weight change, but energy, just uh, way more mental clarity just because of the 10,000 steps a day, sleep better, just the movement piece. And that's all because I had some stupid little app on my phone that told me like what numbers I was doing because I didn't know. It's hard to guess. You can't guess and check when it comes to a lot of these things. Yeah, no. And and some people, um, my guess is that not everybody responds in that way, right? Like some people, it causes them a lot of anxiety to have these things measured and monitored and tracked. But yeah, certainly that's been my experience. I, I respond very well to that kind of information. And and the same is true of the blood chemistry. I was talking to uh, a cyclist yesterday who has iron overload and he just never really considered what was going on inside of his body at all. You know, he knew he was a little bit overweight and he'd, he'd taken to a low carbohydrate diet because he'd noticed that his fasting blood glucose was starting to rise and he was becoming a bit carbohydrate intolerant. And then I don't know what suddenly made him change his mind, but he did a blood chemistry with, with me and it turned out he had iron overload. And then suddenly it just mm. opened up this whole world of research and an opportunity for him. And it was kind of at that moment when you see the test results, you're like, wow, this is not good. Like I need to make some like serious changes here and like think yeah. about what I'm doing. And um, yeah, so it could be quite a pivotal moment to see the test results. So I got a lot of test results done probably two years ago, and mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't gotten a test since um, beyond basic vitamin D panels and all that checkup stuff. What's the first place I should start? Should I do the thirty five dollar test, or what's the the gold standard where to go for someone who maybe hasn't gotten tested in a while or it's their first time getting research on them? Yeah, I don't know if there is a gold standard really. I mean. Um you know, I like to start with the most general test first and then work over to the, the more advanced stuff. Um, so, yeah, the blood chemistry. I mean, a lot of people will already have that data, right? So, um, you know, if you already have that data, you can send it to me and I'll look at it for you. Um, so, yeah, the $35 blood panel, um, I think that's a really great place to to start, to start tracking progress, um, to see, um, you know, what you're doing you know, is it working for you? And mm-hmm. and if, you know, if things are, if your triglycerides are, are creeping up and up and up and your fasting blood glucose is creeping up and up and up, you know, that, that trend, that vector 
it tells you something about what you're doing, whether or not it's working. And, and you know, I think that's a really great place to to start. But, um, you know, if you've got a bunch of symptoms, if you know that, you know, if you, if, if you, if you think, oh, well, you know, I'm tired every day and I'm not sleeping very well and I'm not recovering as well as I used to and I'm bloated, then, you know, I think it makes, some test, it makes sense to do some tests to try and figure out what's going on there. And that's usually a one-time process. Like I don't keep doing stool tests on myself. You know, I found, when I did that, I found a pinworm and some weird amoeba and I took some medicine and some botanical herds and killed those things. And now they're gone. Like I did the retest and that's the end of that. You know, I don't have to keep hmm. doing that and unless I had some reason to suspect that something had gone wrong, right? So, so those more advanced tests, they, they're usually a, a one-time process. Yeah, absolutely. With uh, the blood testing, one of the things that goes through my mind is that it takes kind of a snapshot of where you're at in that day and that time. And you kind of extrapolate out general patterns. Um, So are they accurate because it's only one day, it's only one hour, it's only one minute even of where you are? Is it accurate to assume how how your body works based on that one little snapshot? Do you understand? Yeah, what I'm no, you're to ask? right. There's, there's definitely caveats, and and then some of the some of the things that you could measure on a blood chemistry, the, those levels will vary. Like um, if I'm if I'm having a terrible day and I get right. I meet someone, they're gonna think I'm an asshole. But that's not I normally mean, how I am. I just got cut off in traffic and had a fight and yada yada yada. But if they yeah. meet me on a great day, they'll think I'm Mr. Positive and that oh my god, I can't stand this guy. Yeah. He has so much energy. But that's not how I am, you know. I'm 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 somewhere in between. I'm pretty consistent. If they saw me over a year, they'd realize that. I, I right. think that's kind of a little bit how testing works. Or, or I could be wrong because I don't do testing. No, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. So yeah, I mean, if you did a heavy workout and then did a blood chemistry the next day, you'd see some changes in your levels of inflammation. So maybe you see an increase in C-reactive protein, or maybe some of the the transaminase enzymes like ALT and AST will be elevated just because you've just been breaking down the cells. Right. That's kind yeah. of kind of what the workout is for but um so yeah you have to take that into consideration and i think it's a good idea to not do you know super heavy workout within a few days of doing an expensive blood chemistry i mean if it's a 35 dollar one maybe you don't care you just want to find out what it's doing to your body and then you know if you're doing it um frequently enough then um you get to see those vectors right like so the software that i use it it, it compares the the values over time it, it turns it into a time series um, so you can actually see the trend over time, and um, and yeah, sure. If you you know if there's if, if there's a reason why there's an outlier, then then you don't have to worry about that. But um, okay. yeah, quite often you see a trend that you don't like. <laughs> okay, okay, I get it. Uh, let's do some rapid fires or some questions I ask several people. What's mm-hmm. been the biggest lesson you learned this past year? <sighs> biggest lesson I've learned this year, I think it's the you know, I used to think that stress was everything. I used to think that stress was the root of all evil, that all disease was caused by stress, and that all we needed to do was get rid of the stress and everybody would be fine. And, you know, I was under a lot of stress when I started this whole process. But since then, you know, I'm still training. I've launched a business. I got married. I had a kid. I've moved house twice. And I don't have adrenal fatigue. And so something else is going on there, right? It's not just the absolute amount of stress you have. So that's been an important lesson I've heard this year, I think. What do you think it was? I think it's an accumulation. It's it's partly how you handle the stress, right? It's not the stress per se. It's your reaction to it. And so if you can use some Jedi mind tricks like guided meditation, you know, you can get better at handling stress. 
Okay. And then all the stuff that's going on inside your body, that's also stress, right? So if you can clean up your act inside, that's going to help you overall. Yeah. So you mentioned meditation, cleaning yourself up. Is there any other anti-stress hacks you have? Jedi mind tricks? No, no. (laughs) I say Jedi mind tricks. I really mean headspace. That's my my, my, still my go-to thing. Headspace is just the expansive. Yeah, right. the app Headspace. I'm sure it's been mentioned before on the no, podcast. I don't think it has. I've heard a lot about it, though. Oh, um, really? Is it is it a good app? Oh, it's wonderful. It's universally loved. It's a British guy called Andy Puddicombe that yeah. uh, he narrates, he teaches you. It's like being coached one-on-one huh. into the process of guided meditation. And it's it's really wonderful. It, oh. It's truly wonderful. Hey, Everyone will love it. What's the commitment like? Is it every day? No, it's like, so he has a program he calls Take 10. So you do 10 minutes a day for 10 days. And then if you want, you can continue and do 15. But, you know, it's, it's like, you know, the ac 20 rule, like most of the benefit comes from just taking 10 minutes to yourself yeah. and just clearing your mind as best you can and just listening to the, the narration and, and just, just doing it, just, you know, just 10 minutes. What does a typical morning look like for you, Chris, or a typical day of eating? What's your meal frequency or what's your, what's your going? What's yeah, your- no, you have to be careful with that. Uh, um, with the high fat ketogenic diet, because you don't feel hungry at all. And, um, you know, I know this is not just me. This is all of the athletes I work with end up doing the same. You have to watch you don't start under eating. And so, you know, I eat, um, you know, uh, a lot of bone broth, a lot of leftovers, you know, like kind of I've, d- I've totally done away with the like, meal times. Like they don't mean anything to me. I'll eat any food at any time. And that's been extremely helpful. It just makes things so simple. Um yeah, I eat a lot of uh, seafood. I eat sardines and greens, 46 different types of plants per week. I counted recently. I thought that was kind of interesting to try and figure out. Um, I get all all of our food. So Julie's wonderful. She goes to the farmer's market multiple times a week. So that's where all our food comes from. And uh, our meat comes from local farmers that we've made a relationship with through the farmer's market. Uh yeah, well, I, I'm big into sauna at the moment. You can kind of see my sauna. Nice. Like a cheap sauna, like yeah. for a thousand bucks, you can get one of these boxes with like kind of lined with tin foil and you put these, uh, they're just like reptile lamps, you know? Yeah, like they really are. Lamps. I've seen those. I'm, I'm, I geek out on saunas. You can actually make them too. You can make them yeah, yourself. Yeah, I'm sure. Like when I, I bought this thing and I put it together, I thought, oh my God, I could have made this like from bits from Home Depot and, and, and from the pet store, right? For le- a lot less than a thousand dollars. Yeah. Or just get a membership to LA Fit. That's what I do. Just go uh, use maybe I should. Maybe I'm. Yeah, exactly. I'm doing it after this, chatting it up with the retirees, that eleven o'clock crew. <laughs> it's the old wisdom. That's I one guess. of those things you can do. Like it's a double-edged thing. Like uh, it's a double benefit, right? You yeah. can you can get your meditation in. You can get a bit of what looks like cardio training through the the heat shock, and uh, you know that's, that saves you time that you would otherwise spend running or riding or swimming yeah. or whatever. Yeah, there's no meditating with those seventy year olds. They want to talk. They give uh. you. You're young. They give you their stories. Uh, <laughs> so, Chris, what's kind of one recommended book, podcast, resource, video, coach that you, uh, if you had to distill it down to one place to go, you would recommend? Hmm. Well, it really depends on the person, obviously. If you're a geeky person like me, and you really like the idea of biochemistry and trying to figure out complicated problems with lots of variables, then, or if you're a health and fitness professional, then my number one resource is Brian Walsh's Metabolic Fitness Pro. And Brian Walsh is a naturopathic doctor from Maryland. 
And he is a critical thinker like no other I've met. And he's also a brilliant teacher. Hmm. He's a biochemist. He's been involved in the design of a number of different lab tests. He is just utterly awesome. Like anything you can find by Brian Walsh, just listen to because it's just totally brilliant. And uh, he has this training course where he stands in front of a whiteboard and teaches you biochemistry. And then you do little multiple choice questions underneath the video afterwards. And I was just totally engrossed and hooked on that and absolutely loved it. And if you're a fitness professional, it's just going to make you a hundred times better than any of your competition if you understand this biochemistry. So if you're the sort of person that responds well to that, that would be a, a really good recommendation. Okay. Awesome, Chris. So Nourish Balance Thrive, um, the website, and then do you guys have a podcast as well? Yeah, exactly. So I've been doing a podcast. Yeah, I've kind of copied everything you do. <laughs> I've, uh, I've, it's a great way to meet people, though, isn't it? I like yeah. just made so many amazing question uh, connections through my podcast. Yeah, it's really so the cool. podcast is something I do each week. And um, I also do free consultations at the moment. So if you come to nourishbalancethrive.com, there's a button you can you can schedule a free consultation with me and I can talk to you about uh, ketosis or lab testing or whatever it is that you, you feel like you could need some help with. Okay, cool, man. Well, uh, is there an episode they should start with if they go check out the podcast since they're already listening? Oh, you know what? This week, and I'm sure it'll be out by the time that you release this podcast, I'm just about to um, release an episode of the podcast with Brian Walsh, who's the doctor I mentioned earlier, on social isolation. And um, I've just never heard anyone talking about this stuff before. And it's an amazing story, and I think it's going to have a profound impact on everybody's health. So, yeah, Social Isolation, Brian Walsh, that'll be on my podcast um, out this Friday. So I'm sure that'll be, um, that'll be uh, long before this podcast says. Chris, my man, thanks for coming on talking about testing, endurance, ketosis, lots of good stuff. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Clark. It's very kind of you to have me. All right, Chris. Until next time, man. Cheers, man. TaylorHacks.com is the host of this show. Head on over there, get on the community, the forum, the delicious mouth-watering recipes, good stuff. So what do I do with the rest of my time? That's a big question you guys have been emailing me, asking me. You know, I don't spend it all working with TaylorHacks.com. In fact, I've uh, recently updated and launched, relaunched, I should say, my own personal development blog, stuff about mindset. Um, Because, you know, like what we talk about on the show, you can have the world's best diet, but if you're unhappy at the end of the day, it really all doesn't matter. What's it all for? And so I've been working with people one-on-one and in groups for the past five or so years, and I've come up with 11 big questions. These are the questions that people ask themselves, you know, when they go to bed. These are the questions that can really impact, influence, and change your life for the better. And so I put to, put them together in a free report on my site at clarkdanger.com. You can go over there right now. And uh, no gimmicks, no hacks, no, no nothing. It's just a free report. You just got to enter your email. And it's the 11 questions that will change your life forever. That's right. Forever changed. <laughs> Hope I sold you on that. I mean... They're, they're really cool. If you take them seriously, I believe in them, and that's why I'm telling you guys about them. So that's just ClarkDanger.com and, of course, PaleoHacks.com, the place to be. Everything paleo and more. All right. We'll see you next Thursday. Thanks so much. Thanks so much.